0: You've ruined my favorite song. PenFed Credit Union. Visit penfed.org/slash powercash. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year, automatically, dollar for dollar, with no limit on how much you can earn. Extra cash? Come on, how amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing when you realize all the places where Discover is accepted. of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2020 Nielsen Report limitations apply. Want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year, automatically, dollar for dollar, with no limit on how much you can earn. Extra cash? Come on, how amazing is that? Here's the scenario. You're injured in a collision and your insurance company is denying your claim. It happens far too often. If it happens to you, call me, Brian Goldfinger of Goldfinger Personal Injury Law. My team and I work for people just like you. We don't accept cases on behalf of insurance companies, so you and your family can make sure that you're in good hands. Visit goldfingerlaw.com and get us working for you.
1: Hello and welcome to the Raptors Reaction Podcast. I'm Ro Sampson, folk, and tonight or today, whenever you're listening to it, I am detailing for you the Raptors' loss in game two of the season, the season in which they are defending champions of the NBA, which I, I think I will note every single podcast. They lost 112, 106 to their rivals, one of the rivals, I suppose, the Boston Celtics. This was a disappointing one because the Raptors, it seemed like they were teaming on the edge of a very special performance from a lot of players, and there was a lot of synchronicity in the way they played for small pockets of the game. They ended up losing this one, and that was largely due to three things that will be touched on throughout this podcast, but the main three things are Marcus All rebounding, defensive rebounding for sure, and turnovers. Those three things really were tough to deal with and that's let's start it off so it was pretty sluggish start and it was noticeable that gasol was gonna have another one of those games right away he doesn't have the energy or tenacity to hang with players even like he didn't start but grant williams did kind of get gasol's goose the whole game gasol couldn't back down the six foot five or six foot six grant williams he was getting wrestled out of position. And early on, Daniel Tice was beating him to the spots for rebounds. He was pushing him under the basket on offense and defense. And it was problematic for the Raptors because they obviously they need him to be a big part of their defensive rebounding, especially because Siakam, if he still wants to be true to his type of fast break game, needs to be leaking out sometimes, especially when Kyle Lowry is in the vicinity of the rebound. And that's, you know, that's a part of Pascal Siakam's game that he has to figure out, especially this year where he mixes in between leaking out and staying home to rebound. Last year, he obviously got to leak out a bunch. This year, you can tell he's staying at home a lot more. He's not getting as many opportunities out in transition, at least not as the outlet guy, right? We're not seeing those Kyle Lowry hit-aheads as often as we're used to. And that's because Siakam is trying to find the mix right now of getting back to help out rebounding and getting loose to get easy baskets for a team that, you know, loves to get easy baskets, loves to push in transition. So if Gasol is performing better in that facet, it does allow the Raptors to go back to a type of basketball in transition that they're very, very good at. But when Gasol played like he did today and eats glass like he did today, which is with a teaspoon and very, very small quantities all at once. It's not very helpful for what the Raptors are trying to do and does affect Pascal Siakam's game a lot. That was early on, of course. Ibaka came in, and I thought he did a really good job jumping up the energy, and especially when Ibaka did come in, the Celtics were getting a lot of breakdowns on the perimeter. The Raptors do have good defensive players out there, but they were giving up a lot of breakdowns, and Serge Ibaka was covering up for a lot a lot of defensive breakdowns, and his defense at the rim was transcendent for the second quarter especially. He was, he was a monster at that end, and he, I think he saved probably between 8 to 12 points very, very objectively, and his presence was was larger than life and probably saved more than that over the course of the game. I'm just talking about the blocks and clear changes of ...how the person was going up for a shot. Ibaka was great, and his change of pace to Gasol's was, was very welcome as well. Fred VanVleet got the start, and I think that was the right decision. In this game, I understand... Well, just in general, I understand why Nurse wants to do that. It was a little problematic in a way. It was difficult for him in a way because they do play the Bulls tomorrow, and playing Kyle and Fred both over 40 minutes is tough... You know, the Raptors, they went with Malcolm Miller for the 15th spot on the roster, and I think that was the right decision. They chose him over guys like Isaiah Taylor, Cameron Payne, and you know why they made that decision, because he is leaps and bounds better than Isaiah Taylor and Cameron Payne, and you know why they're trying to mold Patrick McCaw into that third point guard spot because they like his speed A, but also because that is a huge need, especially if they're going to be starting Van Vliet and Lowry stacked on top of each other. That makes it really tough in close games where you need the ball handling, where you need the creation. Makes it really tough to give those guys a break, especially when they're not starting off the first quarter, you know. Usually when you have two point guards, you can cover the first quarter, at the very least. Always having one on the floor, but if you stack them on top of each other to start, it gets a little bit hairy, and it did in this one. They played a lot of minutes. We'll see how that plays out against the, like, against the Bulls. It's worth noting, though. Fred Van Vliet, I thought, did good. He, The inside finishing that we saw against the Pelicans, where he was, I think it was 7-for-11 inside the paint, I think when I wrote the recap for that, it was 7-for-11 inside the paint. That was great. He played a cat-and-mouse game all night of dodging the the help side defense against the Pelicans, and he was really, really effective. In this game, the Celtics' speed really caught up to him, and he couldn't get anything going at the rim. He was blocked or missed every shot inside the paint, and his only two makes were from beyond the arc in this one, but he was still really important to what the defense was doing on his own end because I thought he played really good defense on Kimball Walker for most of the night. Walker did get loose at the end of the game, but Van Vliet, I thought, did a commendable job chasing around screens because he was very active off-ball and denying him easy looks in the pick-and-roll. I just, Van Vliet did a very good job. And offensively, he still hit his outside shots for the most part. He moved the ball effectively, and I thought he did a decent job creating as well. So the decision to start him, I thought, was a good one. It just brings up a couple of complications with how the Raptors are going to divvy out their minutes. Powell was backing up. Well, I guess it's a mix of Kyle Lowry and Fred Ventley because that point guard spot is pretty fluid for them. But Powell, I thought, had a good job and did a good job in this game. He was really picking his spots because he, he was asked in this game to fit into a glue guy type of role. Hit your open shots. When you have a straight line drive to the rim, take it, and he excels in that role, I find. When he doesn't have to push too hard or fit into a creator's type of role, I really like when... I like the way Powell looks in these types of roles, and I thought he did a good job in this one. Siakam, to get back to him after talking about how he had to try and mix up rebounding and getting out on the break, he the start of this game for him was really, really tough. He had a very, very weak offensive foul called on him, especially when on the other end Jason Tatum, Jason Tatum was flooring Kyle Lowry. And we know Kyle Lowry is a pretty easy guy to put to the floor at times, if he wants to be, if you know what I mean. He, he'll he flop around from time to time, but comparably, Pascal Siakam's offensive foul, foul, and in this one, the Raptors got called for so many offensive fouls. It was kind of crazy, but he got called for one. He had the second foul. He had to leave the game pretty early. He was out of his groove. He wasn't able to work Jalen Brown on the block like he might have liked. Jalen Brown was really, really good defensively against Pascal in this one. He did an awesome job defending him. And Pascal a couple times got caught in the air, was turning the ball over more than usual, wasn't able to create for other players because Brown had fantastic on-ball defense, and the Celtics' speed on defense was really good at if Pascal was on his last step or up in the air, they could really get after his pass wherever it was going. So Pascal didn't have the patience to be a great passer tonight, but eventually did figure out how to attack for his own offense, and that's, I guess I'll touch on that later. Terrence Davis is worth mentioning as well. I thought he did a really good job helping out on the glass. He is a much bigger body than he looks like, and he looks like a big body, you know what I mean? He plays the same way that Grant Williams played really huge against Marcus All. is Terrence Davis plays really, really big. It's really nice to see him bodying up against players. And defensively, he gets on the defensive glass. He gets in passing lanes. He's pretty disruptive on defense. And he moved the ball well on offense, I thought. He was participating in those swing DHOs, those pitch pass DHOs above the break. And that was nice to see that he's already cohesively a part of the offensive unit. And he hit a three. I thought that was great. And, you know, I thought that was worth mentioning. The story of the first half, though honestly, was 100% Stanley Johnson hit a triple. That's worth mentioning as well before I get into it too much. But the story of the first half was Gasol's really, really bad start, horrible defensive rebounding, sloppy offense at times, which that was really tough to watch. And the really tough start for Siakam, which he started turning around. Lowry was playing really well. That was super noticeable. And the turnovers and defensive rebounding—that was pretty much the story of the first half. It Marcus all looked like Cristiano Felicio out there, and that was horrible to see, honestly. The second half was the third quarter. Really, was the Kyle Lowry and Pascal Siakam show? Pascal Siakam had an insane quarter. He started hitting from downtown. At one point, he was five of five, five, of five from downtown. The majority of them on above the break threes, which. If you watched last year, which you probably did, he didn't shoot that well on. He was mostly hitting from the corners, which, great, keep hitting from the corners, but even better, when people go under the screen when he's operating as a pick-and-roll ball handler, his ability to hit above the break threes already makes him more viable scoring in the postseason than guys like DeMar DeRozan. And I don't mean that as shade to DeMar DeRozan, he's my favorite player of all time, but Pascal being able to hit and above-the-break three at a really high percentage makes him extremely dangerous in pick-and-roll situations as the ball handler because you either you're going to give him the three-pointer, which he shoots at a high percentage, apparently, or you're going to allow him to start going downhill. And that was what the Celtics were trying to deal with in the third quarter was Kyle Lowry's relocation, rapid relocation, and getting loose for triples. That was They were trying to contain him, and they couldn't. And for Pascal Siakam, even with Jalen Brown playing on him and playing great defense, I thought trying to decide whether to contest his three-pointers, which he was knocking at a crazy rate, or trying to contain him while he's going downhill, they couldn't do either of those. And the third quarter was really, it was the Siakam and Lowry show. And they, they took over in that quarter, and it was really good for the Raptors and really disappointing that they gave up a six-point lead going into the fourth and ended up losing by six is, you know, that's terrible to watch. And you think that the Raptors, the whole defending champs narrative, how mentally tough they were in the playoffs, that they wouldn't have this happen. But then again, it's a regular season. It does suck to lose to a division rival. And at one that is as unlikable as the Celtics are in general kind of sucks as well. And the Raptors, they definitely, they had it in the bag, and they should have finished. They had the skill to finish, they had the talent to finish, and it was really disappointing that we didn't see that happen. The fourth quarter was rapid shot making from the Celtics, and mostly led by Kimball Walker stepping into the offense after struggling all game. His emergence was really huge. He still went 8 of 22. Van Vliet did a fantastic job on him. Jason Tatum, also 8 of 22. I know some were saying that Ananobi's defense wasn't as good in this one. I thought that it was still pretty good. I thought he did a pretty good job. Everywhere that he was, I I don't think he was a problem on that end. And I, I think that he did a commendable job. Jalen Brown, Gordon Hayward, they did their thing. As long as they get to operate as third and fourth options in an offense... They're going to be dangerous if they were asking Jalen Brown or Gordon Hayward to create in the same way that Tatum, Walker, Lowry, or Siakam does. I think they would definitely not be the same amount of efficiency or they wouldn't be as effective, but when they get to operate as third and fourth options, they did pretty good in this one. And yeah, Grant Williams, the rough, physical, speedy defense of the Celtics really did quell the Raptors in the fourth quarter. I... Once again, the Marc Gasol thing, Nick Nurse inserting, because Ibaka did play till I think the seventh minute in the fourth quarter, then Gasol came in and they shared the floor for a minute, I think, and then Ibaka went out, and clearly that's Nick Nurse trying to get Ibaka a breather, because in that game, it was pretty clear that Ibaka was outplaying Gasol by some measure. And I know the plus-minus does not reflect that, but trust me, just because Gasol was on the floor when the three-point variance was on 100 and the Raptors were pouring in triples does not mean that the Raptors were better with him on the floor and better off without Ibaka on the floor. It's Ibaka outplayed Gasol by some measure tonight, and to sit Ibaka is, like, it's tough. It's tough, man, and... There are times it's backbreaking when Gasol missed two bunnies, and then after he missed the bunnies on both of the bunnies, and I'm talking layups, man, layups, two transition scores for the Celtics in the fourth quarter. Like, you're talking, like, five, four minutes left in the game. It's backbreaking because the Celtics, even though Kemba Walker did have a little hot streak and they were mixing up the defense decently at times, they weren't scoring at such a high rate that the transition buckets are somewhat meaningless. Those were big baskets in the game. Marcus all failing to score on one end on objectively very easy opportunities and then being so slow that the Raptors have no rim defense in transition. It was tough. It was really, really tough. And it's just... It's pretty demoralizing when things like that happen. And it did feel like that was where the Celtics took control of the game. The Raptors still had great shot making down the stretch, but that hole from just that little piece of Gasol's run, it it did seem like that was what put the Raptors away. And it you know, it was tough calls at the end, and that's you know, that affects the Mitchell Robinson Award. There is a Mitchell Robinson, a villain tonight, but the Raptors Even though they had great shot making, they're just the way that the game ended was really, really choppy. A lot of calls, and it just the Raptors weren't able to finish this one. They weren't able to get back in it, and it was tough because it they look dangerous at a time. That ticky tack foul comes along, and it just breaks up the flow of the game. And I'm not one to complain about refs. It was just. It was tough at the end of the game, especially OG's offensive foul and the uh, the sheer amount of offensive fouls that the Raptors got called for. It it was a lot. I I think it was like five or six, maybe more. And I gotta tell you, that's a lot of offensive fouls in the game. I it's pretty rare to see. I don't I don't see that all, often at all. So that was that was something as well. But at the end of the game, not being able to score against what looked like a pretty stout Celtics defense, mind you, they did they did have the benefit of being able to play really grimy, really physical, and maybe refs, on you know subconsciously do that because they are a small team, so they let them use their hands more, push a little more, and when they go down, more likely to give them a, a charge, something of that nature. Who's to say? But they did. They did play really, really strong defense down the stretch. The Raptors went through droughts. They had a tough time buying the buying a bucket on the other end. Tatum, Brown, and Walker all did a really good job of working in the pick and roll. And the people who weren't working in the pick and roll did a really good job of floating outside the arc to open spots. You had Tatum hitting big triples, and that was that was important for the Celtics, especially one from above the break, one from the corner and Kemba Walker getting loose was big for their offense as i said before and that was that just sucked and that was difficult and the two defensive rebounds that the raptors weren't able to get in the last minute and a half that was backbreaking as was OG Ananobi's offensive foul that i didn't think was an offensive foul and they said OG initiated the contact But Kemba Walker already had his forearm ready to press up against OG and then push off as soon as the contact came in. So from the camera angle that they were getting, you see that it looks like OG's making first contact with his shoulder to Kemba Walker's, I guess, chest. But if you would look from the other camera angle, you see that not only is Kemba Walker fouling OG because you can't... Stick your arm out to impede somebody, but he's making first contact. So if you stick your arm out, then you get a shoulder in the chest. I usually call that bad defense, but they weren't able to overrule that one, even though Nick Nurse called for the challenge. It just, things didn't break the Raptors' way. It was a tough finish. The Celtics, really good shot making down the stretch. The Raptors, not so much. It just, some games, they don't break your way like that, and it's. That's tough sometimes, you know, but that's, that's the way it is, man. The Reggie Evans Award, I think, goes to Kyle Lowry. He did a fantastic job tonight. He was really relentless pushing the Celtics' defense at the rim, especially, and from downtown. It was just that classic mix of that Kalo, knowing the pace of the game, always knowing the right thing to do, when to attack the rim, when to pull it from three, and not only knowing when to do that, but hitting on those shots as well. It's not like he's forcing it at the rim, getting blocked like sometimes we've seen as he's aged or how the pull-up has, you know, evaded him at times. It was there tonight and he was so good and he he's obviously he's the Raptors leader on the floor, off the floor, he's the guy and he did a fantastic job. The Mitchell Robinson award, I'm going to give it to Kemba Walker because when I was watching the game and knowing that he definitely did not draw a true offensive foul. And I don't like to be the ref guy. I don't like being a ref guy. But knowing that Kemba Walker definitely did not draw a genuine offensive foul on OG Ananobi. But then he used his forearm to push himself off of him. And then was like screaming, let's go. As, you know, as the Celtics are about to pull away in the game. It just, it felt cheesy, right? And that's it's not true villainy but it's it's certainly it's antagonizing to some degree and uh the quick reaction comment from just saying gasol should be suspended for conduct detrimental to the team yeah that's <laughs> that's kind of funny the, the dion waiters of it all i know everybody knows about dion waiter's suspension for conduct detrimental to the team and this is the tough thing right because marcus all is so lovable and is so clearly a nice guy and was such a huge part of the championship run. So, everything aside, he's a great guy for this team. I'm excited to see what he does in the year once he plays himself back into shape, I suppose. But they need his talent, they need his creation, and they need his defense on the floor at some point in this year. And it is worth it waiting for him to come around. I don't think they should be waiting, have him in the starting lineup as they wait. I think Ibaka should be starting. But, man, yeah, Gasol has not been super sharp to start the season. That is 100% correct. And I think that's it for this reaction podcast. I hope you enjoyed listening to it. Join me after the Bulls game. I will be here as well. And whether you're listening to this in the morning or at night, have a blessed day and goodbye.
0: when you're a pro your reputation is built and proven over time that's why the home depot carries loctite pl premium max construction adhesive the strongest on the market it stays 100 percent solid after curing it won't develop air pockets and like your reputation it holds up over time right now get 12 or more for the bulk price of only 853 each loctite pl premium max at the home depot how doers get more done minimum purchase required us only